Welcome to the Inspiro Podcast, the podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. Professional self-care. That's right. Yeah. As I was thinking about professional self-care, I first one that came to mind for me was the idea of work-life balance. Yeah. And kind of two schools of thought there that I'm going to assume or uh, project. <laughs> one is that we should strive for that, that we should be self-aware and that we should try to find that work-life balance. That's a possible number one. And number two is there's no such thing as work-life balance. There is just that we make, or we have the ability to make a conscious choice about what the imbalance looks like given where we're at in our lives. Yeah, I'm gonna add a number three, which Great. goes that is work-life balance looks different when you're 25, 35, or 55. It's yeah. not static. It's not some sort of ideal holy grail that once you've got it, you just keep it. And no, it it depends. And uh, one of the things I also tell my interns about uh, private counseling practice, which I think is very true for private dental practices, though you check me on it. I always say that you know we're we're not a factory. We're a farm. We're a farm. We don't produce widgets on an assembly line. It's a farm. We plant, we grow, we harvest, we let it lie fallow, then we plant again. And and that there are seasons and there's a whole rhythm to this to this practice thing. And we've just gone through August, which is a notorious time for counselors to, to be sitting in our office twiddling our thumbs and wondering where the next client's coming from. And all my interns are freaked out. And it's like, no, it's August. This is the way it works. And now it's mid-September and Clients are showing up and the interns are like, oh, it did exactly like you said. Yeah. You know, not my first radio. This is there, there's there's a there's a feel for this. And so what balance may mean is not feeling like you're on a assembly line. Realizing that there are times to work hard like you do on a farm and time to kick back on the porch and watch things grow and a whole bunch of stuff in between. A bit of a tangent. Do you think that the ups and downs, at least in the, can I just say therapy side of the world, mm -hmm. how different is that based on geography? So for you, Texas might have a lull in August because the sun's out, people are you know, kids are maybe not quite back in school or they're just getting ready for it. Uh, so people are wrapping up family vacations. They're outside, mm -hmm. they're going to water parks, et cetera, versus um, 
maybe Seattle or Portland that still has 50% of their days as rainy and overcast and might have a different lull period. That's partially correct. There are variations, but there's a general feel for, you know, different times. One of the things I want to stress with talking about it being a farm, practice being a farm, is that we give ourselves over to this rhythm is part of being in balance, as opposed to dictating a rhythm like you would in a factory. Well, I need to do this, and I just work harder, and therefore it's more, and da-da-da-da. And what I see with folks, both my uh, my colleagues and also my my dental colleagues and friends, is that there's this perceived idea that there has to be this certain level of urgency and tension. And when the the practice goes, you know, goes into a lull, they don't feel like they can relax. They just make up the tension with worry and, you know, urgency. And it's like, so they always, it's like, no, I have to be at a certain level of tension. No, you don't. How about it's August. Let's all just kind of kick back. I mean, you got to make sure you get the bills paid, but you know, come on, more stress to keep it up at a certain level of urgency isn't going to help anything. You know, so it's like, let your, let the urgency come and go, let it ebb and flow some, you know, fit yourself to what's going on in the world. Uh, not like if I, if I'm just urgent enough, I'll, I'll bend the world to my will. And it's been tried. It doesn't work very well. Yeah. I think there's a, there's still a pervasive problem of, of hustling. There's promotion to hustle. There's a promotion to always be adding stuff, adding whether that's things we're buying or adding growth. We're always wanting to build that bigger practice. And we're, we don't do a very good job of recognizing when we've arrived mm-hmm. and trying to just maximize that. Knowing when enough is enough is an overlooked gem that and having enough time for reflection so you can come up with meaningful goals so you know what the goals are i talked to many people both dental and and therapy they don't know what the goals of their practice are so they will never know if they're met they never know hey i can i can kick back a little bit we got some of these goals done no it's like no it's it's always just out there somewhere Oh, that way madness lies. Yeah, I think this is going to sound like a self-serving promotion here, but I think we tend to really focus on the financial side. So when we're, and this is, uh, I'm guilty of this myself for the first, I don't know, 10 years in practice, when I didn't have a vision of where I wanted to go, I just knew that I needed, I was growing mm-hmm. and I knew that I needed to, to produce a certain amount per month to pay the bills and then to give me an income. And so life revolved around monthly reports that said, hey, you did good this month. Hey, you didn't do good this month. And there was nothing about getting any closer to any kind of goal or anything else. What? So where that, that can be okay is if you have a vision in place. So this is going to be one of the tools I recommend is 
develop a vision of what you want personally and professionally of three, five, 10 years in the future, even 20 years in the future for certain things, and write that down. Spend some time reflecting first and then write it down. And if it's a personal side, share that with your significant other and or family as needed so that you have the ability to have a shared vision with multiple people bought in for the professional side, share it with your team, have them contribute. That's going to do a massive amount of good for getting them on board and uh, have a sense of accountability to it, especially if they get to contribute. And so then what you have is a framework, that vision that you can constantly reference to say, Hey, do we need a new goal? Let's, let's look at our vision. What can we pull out of our vision? that we can now strive for if that's what we need to do. Or it serves as a recognition point. Hey, we wrote this and now two years in, look at all we've accomplished that we wrote down two years ago about that's five years away. And it keeps you being responsive without being reactive. I see folks in their practices being reactive. This thing happens. We got to do this. This thing happens. We got to do that. Um, Oh, this month was down. We've got to do this. And that ratchets up the tension. And most people who are acquainted with planning, professionals at it like you, know that that's actually not going to help because there's no sense of larger goal. There's no sense of where we're headed to. We're just reacting in the moment. And it makes everybody unsettled. And it makes teams, by the way, incredibly unsettled. Um, Because if the leader is just reacting in the moment, one, it looks like it's always a crisis. And two, crises creep up on the practice. And sometimes the team is seeing it getting closer and closer, but the leader's just reacting just to whatever is in their visual range. And and it's like, and the team was going, "Uh, don't you see this thing? Don't you see this thing? It's getting closer. Shouldn't we do something about this thing? Uh, Yeah, having goals, you know, kind of lets us not be so reactive. Mm Mm-hmm. So types of visions I'd like to spend just a a couple minutes on. So one is um, you can just have bullet points. You can have bullet points that describe a future state of a number of different areas of your practice in life. You could write a story that describes the future. That that I say is a level up in... uh, benefit because that the details of the story provide a richness and an ability for others that read it to be more interested, excited, and motivated by it. And tied in with that one, there's something called a letter from the future. This is where you imagine yourself in the future. You write a letter to somebody that you care about, that you know, describing that future. So it's similar like to a story, but you word it in a letter kind of format. Uh, there's also a scenario style where you you imagine the office of the future. Let's say you're a dentist, mm-hmm. along with your life. You develop a scenario. So this is kind of like an ideal day exercise. So you describe the ideal day in that future office and what happens. Who's there? What are you doing? How are you working? Are you talking on... Uh, brain implanted walkie talkies. And I mean, just all that you can imagine fills that 
described ideal day that is in the future, that it provides a specific scenario. Mm-hmm. So it allows people to dig in in a little bit more detail than trying to be really general about the future. So there's there's an interesting piece, kind of an Achilles heel to visions. So years ago, I was uh, with some friends. We went to a Renaissance fair. We were walking around and, oh, there's this really cool fortune teller. Let's get our fortunes told. And one of the people was like, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. I said, why? I said, I don't want to know the future. I'm too stressed out right now. I would just be more stressed. So one of the things I've run into when I start talking about people developing a vision for their practice is that it's very anxiety producing. They don't have a a great hope in the future. Like the future will be better or certainly could be, at least they could partner with it. As Bob Fraser says, partnering with it is not like the feet we're in control of it, but it's not exactly in control of us either. Uh, And so maybe we could, we could do that and build something together. But, you know, there are a bunch of folks that when I start talking about the future, they just get wrapped tighter and tighter and tighter. And so that's really sad. You mean you you don't hope that things, you don't see that things could be better. It's like we're just keeping the wolf from the door and that's all that we do. Mm -hmm. So I have an antidote for that, (laughs) I think. So it's, it's called episodic future thinking. It's sort of like exposure therapy. (laughs) If somebody's afraid of heights, have them stand on a box, gradually working their way up to something taller. (laughs) So episodic future thinking is thinking about the specific episodes in the future in small doses around a very specific topic to give yourself exposure. And importantly, you want to think about what, what is a drawback to this future and what is a benefit to this future? And then for the drawbacks, what can I do personally to to angle away from that future I don't want? And what can I do positively to angle towards the future I do want? And so I call that vectoring yourself. You want to vector yourself in the direction that you want to go. And so by thinking about future situations that can be anxiety-inducing and then looking at both sides of the issue and doing that on a regular basis – it exposes you to the potential negatives, the potential positives, and ultimately, hopefully, starts to provide a foundation for you to have less anxiety as the future unfolds and make better decisions for yourself towards a future state you want. Now, as a counselor, I, I need to add an extra piece because you said exposure therapy. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you played right into my hands. Um, Good. Because I think what you're talking about is really good, that episodic future thing. But if I was going to suggest a, a way people would do that would be to uh, get on healthjourneys.com and download one of Bell Ruth Napperstack's wonderful guided imageries about relaxation or self-confidence. I really like the self-confidence one. It has both relaxation and a sense of hope and confidence for the future. And I'd have them listen to that and get in a relaxed state then do a piece of vision like you suggest and then if if they because they're doing it from a relaxed state so it's not as triggering and then if they need to if they find themselves triggered they they do the guided energy again 
that's not always necessary. But see, it doesn't help to approach that thing we're scared of and just be scared of our, out of our wits again. We need to be able to relax and approach it, have some success, back up, relax, approach it, relax, approach it. So we're retraining our body to approach it relaxed instead of approaching it tense. And so there's that extra piece we need in there to make that truly effective. Good. Thank you. Um, uh, another exercise I'm going to recommend is uh, make it a game. Yes. And that can help to alleviate anxiety for some because, and this is about creating a future vision. This is not necessarily imagining worst case scenarios and stuff like that. This is thinking about that that preferred vision of the future, but in game format. Yes. And by by making it a game, what you're doing is immediately taking away from the st- some of the stress of impossibility and defeat and rejection and all that comes along with those negative ideas about the future unfolding. And I've got an example of that. I was talking to someone who who really was struggling with the vision work and the goal setting and and he, he would get very tense and he would get lost and he wouldn't know what to do. And then I realized in our just our lunch discussion that you know he he would get online and play these computer games when he was where he was this king of this medieval kingdom and he you know he would he would do this and he would that and he would run this mighty kingdom through the ages and I'm thinking well wait a minute what's the difference there that sounds a lot harder than managing a dental practice and like you're saying the point was well one is play and one is serious and so there's almost this idea that I have to approach work in this serious uptight sort of thing i can't approach it playfully but i can you know on a computer game hey it's a computer game you know mm-hmm. let's just you know so y- yes i think you're right it's how do we approach it how are we going to frame it and it's not that i think a dental practice or a counseling practice is a trivial thing i think it's a very important thing but it shouldn't necessarily be a somber thing or a tragic thing i mean what if it's what if it is it's a you wanted it to be an inspiring thing, you know, or a hopeful thing or a mighty, you know, you could be the mighty warlord of the great kingdom or something. I mean, yeah. Hey man, let's go for it. There you have our first foray into the professional side of self-care. I hope you're able to take something home for this one. Uh, If you need to, please reach out inspiropodcast at gmail.com and stay tuned for more on professional self-care in the weeks to come.